Keep your eye on the new guy. He looks good. Huh? Was it just luck? Let's see how well you do against a fighter like me. There's been a shortage of new blood around here lately. So what's your name? I'm just passing through here. Just a Japanese guy taking in a fight. And Ryu is my name. Back everyone, you are listening to the Me and My Dad Watch Anime Podcast, where I'm just a Japanese guy looking to take in a fight. My name is Drew, and I'm here with my dad, David. Greetings, friends. And this week, we watch Gisaburo Suji's Street Fighter II, the movie. But before we get into the show, let's let the people know. Dad, what are we under the influence of? Okay, well, in this episode, this one's called The Show. Perfect. That's all we need. Yep. <laughs> And it's a uh, obviously another Cabernet, and uh, it's a combo deal here. We got a Charles Beeler and a Joel Gotti. Wow! Yeah, that's the true bromance. Yeah, they, they've uh, they've teamed up for this one, California 2018. I bet it tastes like a double Hadouken. So let's uh, get ourselves our what is it? Well, I'm gonna roll with the flub from last week. So this is the Little Wayne, Little Wine, looking for a pardon pour. <laughs> little Wine. All right. I could just be pissing in a toilet and no one really know the difference. <sighs> Sadness. It's okay. Well, Dad, now that you've filled that all the way to the brim, and uh, I'm sure you're going to be chugging it before we even finish, what <laughs> can you tell me about this movie? Street Fighter Two. I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> From when you watched it last night? No, no, no. I mean, just the, the video game itself. Oh, okay, okay. And it's uh, sort of funny how... Any video game seems to uh, somehow make it to uh, either animation or the big screen. But um, Street Fighter is, uh, without a doubt, one of, one of, if not, the seminal fighting game For franchise. Sure. And uh, you really can't underestimate the importance and the, you know, the influence that this um, had in the fighting game genre. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just single-handedly sparked a renaissance of arcade video games. It was the inspiration of Mortal Kombat, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is the big one, and uh, all versions of Street Fighter have sold more than two hundred thousand arcade cabinets. Wow. Yeah. They had their shit right, dude. They fucking knew what they they knew what they were doing when they were making video games yeah. back in the eighties. Yeah. And it had um, over fifty million software units sold. Wow. And it had an estimated total gross revenue, I mean, the whole franchise, of over $10 billion. Damn. I mean, come on now. <clears throat> it's all for Chun Li's thighs. That's yeah. really where the, the money is coming in. I mean, as of 2017, it was one of the three highest grossing video games. To this day? No, and as of 2017. Oh. Now there's a number of them that have taken over. And um, it was the best-selling video game up until 2019. Do you know what the uh, what overtook it? Was it Call of Duty? No. What was it? No, that's not considered, I don't think. Oh, an arcade game. Yeah, well, not an arcade game, but like a, just a 
you know, fighting game. Oh. Um, was it Mortal Kombat? No. Okay. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I should have known. That's yeah. the only real fighting game I think I've actually yeah. ever played is Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up is I found it interesting that in the game, there's like four different bosses that you have to fight. Mm. And in Japan, the actually, Bellrock was... Uh, where they changed it in the American version to Bellrock, the American boxer. Mm-hmm. And in the Japanese, that one was actually called M. Bison. Okay. Because I guess the boxer supposedly looks like Mike Tyson. and I wouldn't to... agree. He kind of looks a little racist. But yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, when I looked at him, I'm like, nah, I don't really get that. But of course, yeah. they called him M. Bison, which is sort of a play on Mike Tyson. For sure. For sure. And of course, Vega... Um, was actually originally called Bellrock. So he was the Bellrock character. Mm-hmm. And Sagat was, you know, the same. And then M. Bison was actually called Vega. They did a little switcheroo. Yeah, they had to switch it around. I guess they were they had a fear that there'd be some kind of likeness infringement lawsuit. <clears throat> well, that'll that'll come up again in a later category, uh, something about a lawsuit. So maybe uh, <laughs> we'll see how exactly far you went into that research or that rabbit hole. Right. Uh we're going to jump. Oh, actually, what was the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, there was no um, critics. No critics. <laughs> no, zero. I wouldn't uh, expect that. Of course, that doesn't surprise me again. <clears throat> and there was like 15,000 audience ratings, and it gave it a 78%. Um, 78%. Yeah. 15,000 people? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people thought it, and it, it pretty much does sort of stay true to the game in some ways. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, but it's always fascinating to me how you can take a video game and then they create all these backstories about the characters and it's like really involved and it just makes me laugh that somebody takes the time to figure out, you know, what's the story behind these characters. I mean, they're it's just... character building. You got to get to know Ken on a personal level. You got to know all about his family. And Oh, yeah. Just like the the category that I mentioned before, we're definitely going to get into uh, Ken's personal life when we get a little further into the podcast. Uh, we're going to jump right into Letterboxd Worst Reviews. We have uh, two stars from Thomas Pashko on January 3rd, 2020. Barely a movie. And this is really more of a, a vehicle to kind of show off all the characters in my mind. And uh, I'll spotlight one of the reasons why I find this movie to be uh, pretty bare bones in terms of uh, <laughs> your, your, the consideration to be a Yeah, fan. considering it was done in, what, 1994? Yes. I mean, the animation is somewhat basic. It's not even really that bad. It's more just how they go about the storytelling, which is my, my biggest problem. Right. Uh, another two stars from Ash Ward on November 24th, 2019. I feel like this film is single-handedly to blame for the rise of new metal at my school. Also, it was passed around on video like crazy because of the animated Chun-Li boobs. Amazing when you're 12, not so much when you're 37 and have, and even touch, actual human boobs. <laughs> to think back down the days of uh, the struggle to even find any sort of nudity, I, I personally haven't lived uh, in that lifetime. I know you have uh, at least discovered pornography out of the woods, so it was a little <laughs> bit different for you, I guess. Oh, that's funny. I mean... It's amazing how these animated characters, you know, basically somebody wants to see that, you know, a naked shot of these characters. And it's the lizard brain speaking. We yeah. all kind of want to know what we look like, like naked. 
another three stars by Anish Raikandalia on November 27, 2020. The one where Walter White voices the Bruce Lee parody Fei Long. And you had actually brought this up to me. Uh, all of the voice actors, not just Brian Cranston, have a pseudonym for whatever reason. They felt like they wanted to hide their identity with this movie. Yeah, I guess it would have uh, been an embarrassment to them, but... I mean, they, they didn't do, like, a horrible job, I guess. Uh, Ken and um, Ryu both sound like, I guess, Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze in Point Break. Like, <laughs> So I don't know if it's really uh, It's amazing, greatest. though, that, I mean, every one of the voice actors had a pseudonym. Yeah, they just, they just didn't even want to take the chance. If anything, it just went to some random John Doe. <laughs> At least they got the money. That's all that really matters. Uh, another three stars from Chim Topper C.C. Emi. What a weird name. Uh, August 28th, 2020. Should have given Blanca the shower scene. <laughs> and personally, I hated the shower scene. Uh, as somebody who has watched his fair share of pornography and obviously from uh, my, my, I guess my reputation of talking about it on this show, I really am not a fan of like sex scenes or really like any gratuitous nudity in movies, especially in anime. Um, so I... Really, what I wanted to say is, like, if you're going to do it, at least, you know, push the bar a little bit. I don't want to be vulgar, but just show your vagina, Chun-Li, before you put on Dido uh, and just have a, <laughs> the rest of your night. Uh, another three stars by Oscar on December 16th on 2019. The part where Fei Long and Ryu are talking and Ryu just fucking turns around and walks the other way without saying goodbye or anything is the greatest moment in cinema. That is That made pretty, me laugh. That is pretty I mean, cold. Yeah. That's the type of shit that you really like. You know you have the most confidence in the room if you're just going to walk away. That's the real uh, Irish exit, and I guess that'll also be brought up in a moment. <laughs> um, and then finally, one last three stars from uh, Rat Pert on May 25th, 2019. Chun-Li, please kick me through a fucking wall, too. Thank you. Uh, if you're looking at Chun-Li and then hoping for only to get a kick through the wall... That's that's a problem in itself. Well, that's like a very typical internet thing. Like somebody will have uh, some sort of affinity for somebody on the internet, and they're like, "I just wish Chun Li would hit me with a truck and run me over like roadkill." It's like that kind of stuff. Like it's <laughs> supposed to represent that you wanted it, but yeah, kick me through a wall, Chun Li. Uh, before we jump into the spotlight, Dad, I do actually have a very special new category. Oh, okay. It is called iTunes Best Reviews. We have one. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is to commemorate our first iTunes review. And for anyone listening, if you want to leave your own review, I've said this before on the Pokemon podcast, I'm ready to start pimping shit out. So if you want to leave a review with five stars and you want us to maybe plug something of your own, we'll do it. I I'm ready to kind of just let anything happen. Uh, so this is uh, titled From Your Buddy by Smoky Mountain Brewman. This podcast not only made me want to drink wine with your dad and you, but also watch some anime, which has never really been my thing. Interesting stuff. You guys really do your research, which makes it even more fun. Also, have I met your dad? Either way, love. Great work. Can't wait to listen to more. This is from one of my good friends, Dylan, and I actually presided over he and Jasmine's wedding, uh, which is a fun little fact. And uh, I had mentioned an Irish exit with uh, Fei Long and Ryu, and... You know, lo and behold, Mr. Smoky Mountain Brewman himself has started a podcast. So if you're looking for a smooth drink and a cool conversation, check out the Irish Exit podcast, 
where the newly wedded Dylan and Jasmine Clark have a conjugal conversations about movies, beer, and real fucking life every single Thursday, Thursday. And uh, Dylan, I'm open to having and uh, you know sit down and have some wine with you. No prop. Perfect. He's been dying to talk to you. He texted <laughs> me the whole way over. He's like, I gotta hang out with you and your dad. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Come on on. Uh, all right, let's just do it. Let's let's light them up, Dad. Where do you want to shine your spotlight on this movie? All right, first, um, I'm gonna give a thumbs up for the soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> very um, up your alley. Yeah, for once, I've uh, recognized the actual songs in this one. Uh, big fan of Corn, Allison Chains, Silverchair. You were the one passing around the Chun Li titties in your classroom. You were fucking down for it. Uh, the new no, metal. <laughs> no. Nah. No, no passing around the Chun Li. But uh, <clears throat> anyways, and um, I love the uh, move Cammy uses to assassinate the apparent uh, anti-drug politician Seller. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll reiterate that point. But go on. Um, Apparently, Bison is a proponent of decriminalizing drugs. So yeah, felt he had to put him down. Are we all? And uh, obviously, the gratuitous uh, Chun Li shower scenes. I was sour from that shower scene for sure. Uh, well, the only reason why I bring it up is probably more than likely had a lot of 14 year olds uh, auditioning the finger puppets. Finger puppets. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> At least they didn't want to perform a bukkake like on uh, no. Oscar. You no, <laughs> I'm going to retire the bukkake. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. No? No. <laughs> okay. Well, if it's appropriate. Yeah. And the. Uh, I thought like the best fight scene in the movie was the Chun Li fight with Vega. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I thought that was a highlight. And it's kind of criminal that Chun Li is just sort of relegated to being unconscious in a bed for uh, for Guile to flex over her and yeah. kind of talk about getting revenge. But that that will be touched upon in one of my spotlights. Okay. Was there anything else you had? And um, it seems the animators were constantly focusing. On the character's biceps. I mean, I can't tell you how many times they were just showing their their arms, you know. And I was like, okay, yeah, they're impressive. I mean, when you're rippled like a bull's thigh, like there's really no point in not showing it off. <laughs> it's it's part of the territory. Once you're that ripped, you got to show it off. And then, last but not least, Guile's brush top <laughs> is a sight to behold. One of uh, one of the the crazier hairstyles I've seen in any movie ever, yeah. and I can't imagine just how much hair gel it takes to. Uh, That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. How much hairspray or hair gel is required to hold that form? So mm-hmm. <laughs> he probably just opens up the top of his jet when he's up there and just lets it blow back. Uh, was that was that the last year? Yeah, that was it. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump right into what might be the sexiest assassination ever. Uh, Cammy White showing up in a, a skin tight unitard. And, you know, with the cheeks out and she kills this man in broad daylight with his full security detail. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she she could have done a lot more damage. Yeah, you got to love the thong assassination. Yeah. I mean, if she really wanted to do some work, she could have probably just sat on his face and broke his nose with a Kegel. <laughs> uh, if we're also talking about, you know, the sexy appearances in this movie, Chun-Li's business attire is a little bit questionable. I mean... When, when Guile steps off the jet, he probably thinks Chun-Li is some sort of airbase prostitute sent by somebody as a joke. Uh, and then she's surprised that he doesn't even give her the time of day. <laughs> but, I, you know, why exactly? Why, why exactly do you think that Chun-Li? I, and it might be a little, you know, regressive of me to say, but her key pal has titty accents and her thighs could choke a horse. So you're an Interpol special agent. It's not a cosplayer. Maybe you should, uh, I, I don't know, put on a button-up shirt. Uh, then we had the, the, the walking and no talking scenes and this, I mean, transportation is a real problem in this movie. Um, 
you know, the first time that we meet Bison, he lands in his ship. He walks out of the room, walks through some big room full of vats over a bridge, sits down, waits for his whole crew to sit around him. And then he has a phone conversation. It's just one of those things where there's more walking scenes than a Sorkin movie, but none of the good dialogue. Yeah, I mean, the movie was like an hour and 40 minutes. They probably could have, you know, cut out 15 minutes of just useless, you know, scenes of walking. Yeah. Or when uh, when um, Bison is like up in the air and he's talking to uh, Seno, the the scientist, he's like, all right, I'm going to send you over a video. Bison has to go all the way back to his fucking base to receive the message. And he's like, you're wasting my time. Yeah. It's like, just send the text. Just send the message over to your little mini computer. Uh, you know, obviously, though, this is kind of uh, antithetical to Guile, who pretty much runs everywhere he goes. And I have to think that he and uh, Naruto are probably two biggest inspirations for every weird kid who ran home after school off the bus. Um, then I had a, a pretty fleshed out theory, at least in my mind. I, I think every single character is uh, at least stricken with some form of CTE. Everybody has a little bit of that Stallone brain just because they're fighting all the time. They're obviously getting fucked up, but <sighs> yeah, I would uh, concur that that definitely uh, they all seem like they're a little stunted. Well, it would at least make sense with some of the dialogue or just the the general movement of the movie. And this is probably most prominently seen when, uh, you know, Guile and Chun-Li's entire romance. I mean, it's essentially watching two mentally disfigured people try to navigate like a geopolitical crisis in their own libidos. And this, like I mentioned before, culminates in Guile just flexing over Chun-Li's unconscious body. And then he completely forgets about her when he gets back to New York. <laughs> so much so that he U-turns in the middle of the highway and drives on the other side of the road to get back to the fucking hospital. <laughs> so I think these uh, these people, uh, they're maybe a little worse off than an NFL player. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, and then finally, for my last spotlight, I just wanted to really highlight the bromance, which was really toeing the line. I mean, this is what the fuck I was talking about with Fist of the North Star. Beefy dudes cannot resist each other. They know exactly how good the other person takes care of their body, and it fucking turns them on. <laughs> I mean, when, when, when fucking Ken asked Eliza out of the blue to marry him, she's immediately pumping the brakes. And I've done a little research on Ken, and I found out that he is a not only a, a super hot dude, he is a multi-billionaire. His parents are essentially like the Rockefellers, and she's, she's pumping the brakes. And you know why? It's essentially because she knows all about Ryu and Ken's little unsettled score. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Something doesn't feel right. Yeah, bitch, how could you tell? Was it the incessant flashbacks or the fact that Ken won't shut the fuck up about the guy? So Ken's a billionaire and she's she's got uh, she's got questions about whether she should marry him or not. For sure. For yeah. sure. And then, you know, Ken gets actually straight up captured by Bison, obviously, and he makes this uh, a very informed assumption that the reason why Ken has so much passion for uh, fighting is due to his competitiveness with Ryu. And it ultimately has me believing that the only real competition between the two is who can make the other person come more. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I get why, you know, Eliza was maybe a little hesitant to commit to Ken. Um, quite frankly, she doesn't really have a chance. Uh, because there's nothing better than landing a combo on your friend and letting them swallow your Hadouken in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what were your unintentional lessons or any takeaways that you had from this movie, Dad? Okay. Bison has these this psycho power. And uh, this just reinforces my theory that anyone with uh, telekinesis or psychic powers is just always straight up evil. Mm -hmm. And we've been seeing that a lot in these last couple yeah. episodes. I mean, you get psycho powers, forget it. You're, you're, you're turning to the dark side. Yeah. And um, given to the, the, the massive popularity of fighting games... 
I think it speaks to the fact that all men want to believe they can kick some ass. You're one to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you could be right there. But yeah. in, in the sad truth is they can't. So if they can't, you know, fight in real life, then they vicariously kicking some virtual ass is apparently a very cathartic substitute. Yeah, that's why a lot of incels are hopping on Call of Duty. If they can't storm the Capitol, they're going to be storming some sort of base for search and destroy. <laughs> and lastly, Street Fighters uh, seemingly leave tortured lives. For sure. It seems that they're always trying to avenge a loss or trying to prove their fighting superiority. So... They also have a, a really toxic finish me culture where just like, you know, uh, when he was fighting uh, T-Hawk, when Ken was fighting T-Hawk, he's like, go on, finish me. Don't leave me like this. Yeah, like, exactly. Do you really want to die after getting your beat, uh, yeah. your butt kicked at a yeah. warehouse? Like, Just cannot go on living anymore. Yeah. I lost sh- a fight. The shame. He puts on the, the Cam Newton shame. Obviously, he probably uh, wouldn't get fired into UFC, but. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you can only hope they have uh, some sort of career if they can't make it as a street fighter. Every dog has his day. For sure, for sure. Uh, I only had a couple of takeaways. Um, you know, Honda, even a sumo can apparently have abs because obviously he's a sumo wrestler, but he had a pretty strong six pack in some episodes. And <laughs> yeah. as somebody who has, uh, you know, been trying to do at least a few crunches over this winter so I don't get uh, a little overweight, um, you know, Honda is a pretty good inspiration for me, knowing that I can still achieve that with uh, with the body mass of a sumo wrestler. Right. Uh, another one was that rich people really just love to attend underground fights. It seems to be uh, a tried and true trope, and you see in, you know, not just anime, but any movie, like... Well, they're the ones with the money. Well, once you get enough money, you seemingly will just seek out, or even just accept any invitation to some underground fight league. You're just like, all right, well, I'm going to pin this Russian guy against a monster. Do you want to come? And Jeff Bezos is just, like, sending a group text to all the other fucking rich people. He's like, are you guys trying to go down to <laughs> Yeah, the billionaire group text is is, is very much uh, deep into the underground yeah. fights. And then finally, uh, look beyond the fist. And I know you might be one of those people who's been pretty lonely uh, this lockdown or this entire pandemic. And, you know, it might be jerking off a lot, too. But just know that there is something beyond a fist and uh, it just might be true love. <laughs> so, Dad, we've hit the question section of this podcast and there is a, an important new wrinkle with okay. uh, three lies and a truth that I just wanted to bring you now. So you maybe don't, you know, get a little too crazy with your guesses. <laughs> but the three lies and the truth will now correspond with were you paying attention. So if you were to win three lies and a truth, you win the coin flip and you have the chance to get the ball first. But if you lose, the other team is going to get the ball and they're going to go up three. So right oh. away, you're down by three if you lose. So uh, no pressure, but... Yeah, pressure's on. I'm yeah. ready. All right. So... um Am I still vanilla taint? For sure. Okay. You, I'll 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 give you everything you need to know about vanilla taint when we get to the next category. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're playing a little three lies and a truth. Entry number one. In 1993, in anticipation of the live action release of Street Fighter the movie, it was announced in Japan that an in-game tournament would be held for a secret to-be-announced grand prize. The tournament lasted three days, and at its completion, the winner. A young Japanese boy named Dago Yumahara was awarded a cameo appearance in the Street Fighter animated movie. Dago, inserted as a background character, can be seen with a fistful of money during the fight scene between Dalsim and E. Honda. Entry number two. Street Fighter is no stranger to characters changing names once they travel overseas. But in the case of the character Ken, his surname was added to save Capcom from a lawsuit. 
Ken's surname is officially Masters, which was added once Capcom began producing Street Fighter action figures, and they were sued for copyright infringement by Mattel, the makers of Barbie and Ken dolls. In order to differentiate Street Fighter Ken from Barbie's boyfriend, Capcom added the surname derived from his mastery of fighting arts. Question, or entry number three. Leading up to the release of the video game Street Fighter 2, Capcom took part in a cross-promotion with a drug abuse-resistant education program, better known as D.A.R.E., in the hopes of swaying young adults away from drugs and alcohol. The promotion involved trained martial artists dressed as Street Fighter characters, visiting at-risk school districts across the continental United States, and advocating for sobriety. This promotion was even referenced at the beginning of the film in the form of a banner, just before Cammy White's attack. And then finally, entry number four. Until the release of a newly published Polygon oral history commemorating the 30th anniversary of the game, uh, which will be actually February 2021, um, the inspiration for the game's concept was only speculated on. But during an interview for the piece, it was revealed by Street Fighter creator Takashi Nishiyama that his real inspiration was true to name. I remember it very clearly, even now, he said. One day at Capcom, we had a meeting between the development staff and the sales team. And this particular meeting happened to be running a little long. I think it was about two hours. Personally, as someone on the development side, I found it very hard to stay awake during these meetings. So I tended to daydream and think about games. Eventually, I dozed off. I can't believe I did. But I was scolded by Capcom producer Yosh uh, Yoshiiki uh, Okamoto himself, who was sitting close by. He tapped me hard in the shoulder and the rest of the room laughed when I woke up. He said, having trouble staying awake, and me, mortified, said that I was fighting off sleep tooth and nail. Eventually, we got back to the meeting and was over within an hour. But as we were dismissed, Okamoto-san pulled me aside and said, if you pull something like that again, you'll be fighting for your job in the street. The next day, I handed in what would be the first concept drawings of the game. Dad, <laughs> off the flip, off the coin flip. What do you think is a lie? Um, I think the uh, the drug abuse resistance education program. You don't that, think the trained nah. martial artists were going no. to school? I mean, I don't think they they would have put any money into uh, promoting this in the states because it. I think it made like minimal. Mm -hmm. So, I think that one is a lie. You are correct. That is a lie. There was uh, nobody dressing up as Ryu and Ken and fighting uh, the Dare Lion to prevent you from smoking pot, which. May, may have helped, but I don't, I don't think so. And the uh, <laughs> the creator falling asleep, uh, no, I don't believe that. You don't think Takashi was uh, taking a, a mid-meeting nap? No. Okay, well, you are also correct. It is going to be the, uh, the game's 30th anniversary in February, though, so we were this close to uh, hitting it right on the head whenever this episode comes out. <laughs> oh good so we got two left we have the uh ken adding the masters to prevent from barbie taking him down and dago yumahara appearing in the movie okay um the lawsuit thing about ken and the ken butt dolls and so forth mm -hmm. that's probably the one that sounds the most likely I'm going to say that is the truth. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. Yes! 
Barbie was not having it, but they they alleviated the issue, and eventually she even just straight up left Ken for Ken Masters. I mean, they were afraid of uh, Mike Tyson coming after him. Yeah, and Bison. (laughs) And then they got Ken and Barbie pulling lawsuits on them. Hey, I mean... It was a it was a it was a strange time in the '90s. Everyone was trying to get a, a grip of the pie, or at least a piece of the pie. <laughs> but we're heading right into were you paying attention? And uh, Dad, now that the Patriots season is over, Patrick Erskine is looking to keep his hot streak alive, even during the off season. So after making a few calls to his agent and had and hearing that Dwayne the Rock Johnson was funneling money into the league, Patrick has decided to join the XFL and the Tampa Bay Vipers in the hopes of making enough <laughs> making enough of a name for himself uh, for the Patriots to bring him back next year. Or, at the very least, uh, have a cameo appearance in HBO's Ballers. Yeah, I'm just a gun for hire. Yeah, that's all you need to be. Uh, <laughs> you got a, a strip club nearby, I'm there. And to, re- uh, to reiterate the rules, uh, if you get one correct on uh, the first question, it is a positive gain. Two straight is a touchdown, and three straight is another touchdown. If... Uh, it's a pick. It's going to end up being another score for the opponent. Uh, rule number two, getting one and three is a field goal. Getting two and three and a half is a uh, opportunity to score in the third question. And then three. Oh, yeah. I already said the three lives in the truth thing. But, uh, Dad, I got to be honest. I'm not going to be doing this this questionnaire alone. I, I know we have uh, some history with Zoom being sort of a problem, but I had to get a partner here to really kind of announce the game. So... Okay. Let, let me go. Let me go. Send it over to my co-host. Ooh, welcome inside the Zoom broadcast booth, everybody. I'm Joe Buck, coming to you live from Raymond James Stadium in Sunshiny Tampa Bay. We're anticipating a great game between the D.C. Defenders and the Tampa Bay Vipers, where XFL newcomer Patrick Vanillatan Erskine looks to keep up his NFL dreams uh, against a tough D.C. defense and their star quarterback, Jody Sharkteeth Larson. Back to you, Drew. That was, a, that was a very impassioned intro, Joe. I really hope you can keep up the energy or at least the cocaine buzz uh, when we get there. Uh, but, Dad, first question. This is the first half we've received the ball and kickoff. While Chun-Li is giving her rundown on Shadow Law, she divulges the known personal attributes of its current members. The first member shown is Sagat. What is Sagat's birthday? And this question is in commemoration of my dad turning 57. Uh, so happy birthday, Dad. Uh, I know you. this is what a strange turn your life has taken where you're listening to your son talk about jerking off. <laughs> but um, let it stand. that This question still needs to be answered, and Petra Gerstein is uh, looking to score. So is it A, July 2nd, 1955, uh, March 17th, 1977, September 12th, 1968, or D, May 21st, 1960? Oh, man. I think uh, Vanilla Taint might be a little hungover, so. (laughs) Too too many nights at the strip (laughs) club. The Tampa Bay strippers are... Let's the best think the about this. Um, well, wow. This is just going to be a... Sagat's got to be somewhat young. They're all young, right? But the movie takes place in 1991. Oh, does it? Yes. All right, I'm going to say September 12, 1968. 
All right, let me send this back to Joe. Joe, what's going on in that game? Thanks, Drew. It's the first snap of the game. We're looking at a pre-snap adjustment. Erskine is in the shotgun. He sends a man in motion. He takes the snap. He's looking, he's looking, he pumps. Petrick rolls right, but there's pressure. There's a man right behind him, and Petrick winds up, but it's stripped. Lorenzo <laughs> Dorito fingers Novak, puts the ball on the ground, and it's recovered by defender's linebacker, Milter, Milton Chowder Cheeks Guthrie. What a turn of events on the first play of the game. So that's tough, Dad. Uh, uh, we're, we're cutting off, uh, whatchamacallit's, Joe Buck's feed for a minute because he was getting a little excited, but we uh, were just strip sack, and they're going to go up uh, seven points. What was the... Uh, the tr- the right it was, answer? Uh, the first one that I put up there. 55? Come yeah, on. Now. July 2nd, 1955. Uh, so that's a, that's a tough start. The XFL is definitely uh, welcoming you in the most extreme way. Uh, Milton Chowdercheeks Guthrie has a fumble recovery, but we're going to get that ball back after uh, a quick score. So question number two. During a video call with Senno, it is revealed that M. Bison also has a master, a man by the name of Ed Preston. It is suggested that Preston may win the next presidential election, but his support of what bill exposes him to the threat of assassination? Is it A, the lifelong presidency bill, B, the Ohio Patriot Act, C, the Brady Bill, or D, the Culpeper tax? Oh, man, I don't think I was paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, you you were looking at the uh, the double D's in front of you. <laughs> um, oh boy, Ohio Patriot, lifelong president. I'm gonna say the Culpepper tax. All right, Joe, what's going on in that game? I gotta be honest, Drew, not much. It doesn't <laughs> seem like Patrick Erskine can get the ball moving, and it was another three and out. Damn Although the defense held strong for the Vipers, and it looks like there won't be any score coming back the other way. Well, that's that's too bad. It was uh, actually the Brady Bill, which I really was hoping you would pick. Uh, I was almost going to pick that, but because that was the gun law, right? Uh, Some kind of gun law. Really? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Well, just, there was yeah, the Brady Bill had something to do with when Reagan uh, was shot. Um, it was Brady Senate or something like that. I just like the, the fact that it had Brady in it. I thought you were going to pick up on that. All right, question number three. Uh, through the surveillance feed of a monitor cyborg, we learn the, ni- uh, the name of Guile's master. What is their name? Is it A, P. Burr, B, G. Lemon, C, T. Mon Chief, or D, L. Westminster? I'm going to say G. Lemon. All right, Joe, what's going on? Well, Drew, with some good field possession after a strong punt return, Erskine is looking to get his team into scoring range. Erskine is going to take another snap under center, and he drops back. The pocket is holding, but the defense is breaking through. Chowder Cheeks, Guthrie's got a hand on him, but he snakes away. He throws a slant to tight end. He's got some room. It's a race to the pylon, and he dives. Oh, but he's pushed out of bounds. Oh! Braylon Booberry Coates almost for the score. Booberry Coates. <laughs> <laughs> Who's so, that? Cheek guy? Uh, I don't it like is him. Chowder Cheeks Guthrie. He's yeah. the Aaron Donald of... Uh, I'm pretty uh, much going to say let him through, and I'm just going to throw one right in his junk. Well, we uh, we almost had a chance to get into the end zone, but it looks like we're, we're heading into halftime with uh, with not a lot going for us. It's a 7-0 to zero right oh, now. Oh, are you kidding me? We didn't we didn't have a chance to score. Damn it. Well, that was the third question. I mean, that, was, uh, that was the closest thing we could have done. You had to get two and three to at least have a score opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Little halftime interview. How are you feeling there, uh, Patrick Erskine? 
I'm a little rattled. <laughs> I'm fucking hammered. Yeah. Uh, well, at least you're honest. I think I'm gonna, you know, have to take a, maybe an IV or something. I, I need some fluids. Yeah, I'm feeling a little dehydrated. Yeah, at least an ibuprofen <laughs> for your fucking migraines. Yeah, <laughs> not thinking straight. No. Uh, well, we've we've come around to the second half. They they kick the cheerleaders off the field, and we're all done with the halftime show. Are you uh, are you ready for the next question, Dad? Yeah, I am. All right. <sighs> yeah, get your stretches. <laughs> all right. Question number four. When Chun Li reveals herself to be alive after surgery, she go- shows Guile a copy of what newspaper? Is it A. The Wall Street Journal, B. The Chicago Tribune, C. The Washington Post, or D. The New York Times. I think it was the New York Times. All right, Joe. What's going on? We're back after halftime. Drew and the Vipers are hoping to come out strong. They're spread out. One man in the backfield with Erskine and the rest are wide. Erskine takes a snap, fakes a handoff to Ricardo, but he's still looking for the ball. There's no one on the running back, and Sherman, juicy thighs, Ricardo has some room to dump off. He shimmy shakes the defender, and he's going. Juicy thighs, scampers for 25 yards, and a first down for the Vipers. Yeah. Strong first play coming out of half. Nice. We're only down seven. We can win this game. All right. Question number five. Uh, over the course of the film, we are shown the point of view of several monitor cyborgs, uh, cyborgs as they record fights and their fighter statistics. Of these four characters, who has the best judgment? Is it A, Ryu, B, Ken, C, Chun-Li, or D, Honda? It better not be Ryu or Ken. And <laughs> <laughs> better not be. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do not have good judgment. Yeah. And Ken's Honda, I don't think so. I think the man likes to, you know pour him down but yeah i'm gonna go with chun Li. she seems the the most level-headed i mean she works for interpol for sure all right well let's let's see what uh mr joe, joe buck has to say joe drew the vipers are looking to make a statement here after a strong first play erskine's in the shotgun trips right with two men in the backfield the ball is snapping he's looking there's a cornerback on the ground oh wait a minute he slipped on the ground and vanilla tain hasn't look He's got a chance to capitalize. Erskine throws it. Oh, it's a deep one. Micah, walkie, slush, Sandoval. That thing must be bleeding, Pete, because Sandoval is taking this one in for a 57-yard touchdown. Yeah! Wow. I feel lightheaded after that one. Wow. <laughs> Micah, walkie, slush, Sandova. Sandoval. I can't even say his last name. That's a, that's a tied-up game, Dad. We're, we're heading into question number six with the I knew it. I mean... I'm feeling refreshed. Well, we have a, a chance to win this game or uh, a chance to lose it. And this is the last question before this game. I think game maybe is. Joe might have left me something in my locker that I might have, you know, well, partaked in. You're you're in uh you're you're in the Tampa Bay uh, stadium right now, so maybe you did <laughs> I think into... I had dinner with you last night or with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you found Todd Brady's uh, TB12 book in his locker <laughs> and you started reading by. All right, final question. Uh, <laughs> at the story's conclusion through the lens of another monitor cyborg we not only see Bison is he's about to hit Ryu with a semi-truck, but also the film's final location. Where are they? Is it A, New York, B, Seattle, uh, C, Los Angeles, or D, Las Vegas? Well, I'm, I know, I'm pretty sure Ken lives in Seattle, but I don't know that they were in Seattle. Or were they in New York because, of course, it looked like a desert scene. That could be in Los Angeles, too. I'm going to say Las Vegas. Joe, 
what are we seeing? Well, we're looking at a two-minute drill. If Erskine and the Vipers can punch this one in and run out the clock, this could be our game's last possession. The score is 7-7, and Erskine is going to take this one under center. Vanilla Taint snaps the ball, and he hands the ball off to Ricardo, but he stops. Ricardo tosses the ball back to Erskine, and it's a flea flicker on first down. He looks like he's got a man open. Erskine throws the ball, but it's batted up. The ball is batted in the air, and it's going to be intercepted. Huey Gooch Smoocher O'Doyle with the pick, and he's running. He's got blockers, and Gooch Smoocher is running with a head of steam. Erskine is the last man to beat, and he's shoved to the ground. Huey Gooch Smoocher O'Doyle is going to take this one for himself with a high step. Touchdown, defenders. The game is over. You just got fucking pick six by Gooch uh, Smoocher O'Doyle. <laughs> it, w- it was a tip ball, though, or something, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you tried to do a flea flicker on the first down, and yeah. uh, they fucking brought it back. Yeah. What was it? Seattle? It was Seattle. Yeah. Damn it. You That's what I was going to go with. You could have thrown it to uh, Tyson. I live with my mama Floyd for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> my mama Floyd. <laughs> Uh, well, that's a tough loss. That uh, was tough. I mean, you, you had the highest of highs in the NFL, and then the XFL definitely uh, brought Man. your shit back down to earth. But uh, we're going to cool off. We're... I think I'm going to have to reload here because... Yeah, you're going to have to take a little bit of that cocaine off Joe Buck's fucking nose. and Just A little bit of the hair of the dog yeah. for uh, Ernst guy. That's tough. That's tough for him. Well, we're, we're going to be jumping in uh, that ice bath. Definitely try to... Uh, Alleviate some of the bumps and bruises that you got from Chowder Cheeks. <laughs> Drink a little more of this uh, wine Gatorade, and we're going to play a little Would You Rather. All right, Dad, are you ready? Yep. Would you rather get major plastic surgery on a random part of your face? So imagine you walk into a doctor's office, he's got like a wheel, and he spins it. And whatever it lands on, you have to get a, a very large change to that part of your face. Or have aggressive CTE from being a lifelong street fighter. And aggressive means pretty much uh, all everything that you can imagine with that. Yeah, uh, I think this one's easy. Yeah, I mean, major plastic surgery. I mean, you would have to assume that whatever they're doing is going to be for the better. You know, and, uh, Michael would have thought that too, Michael Jackson, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, <laughs> or Nicole well, Kidman, or yeah. really anybody. With well, that. yeah, but with Michael, that was multiple fuck ups. Yeah. So. I guess he was black at one point too, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's not bring Michael into this. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm not gonna be, you know, blubbering idiot. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely served you up an easy one. I knew I had uh, tough so uh, throw some tough questions at you and the uh, were you paying attention. So <laughs> all right, question number two. Would you rather own a chair that can read your dreams, but it only works if you're completely naked when you sit in it? Or have the psychic ability to locate the buffest dude wherever you go. So let's say you go to, uh, you know, Ingalls or something like that. And all of a sudden you have like a spidey sense like, oh, fuck, there's a buff dude here. Uh, And then the other one is is self-explanatory. Like if you want to have a a little, I don't know, dream movie time, you're going to have to strip down, sit there for at least a couple hours (laughs) and wait for uh, something to come out. Yeah, I don't know why I would need to know where the buffest dude is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess in the sense of Dalsim, he was just ready to fight him, if anything. Yeah. Him. I mean, obviously, if I was looking to uh, find, you know, somebody to fight, but... Yeah. And, you know, hey, damn, sure, I want to I wanna know what my... It, so it, 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 it basically tells you what your dreams are about? Uh, well, you know, in the scene where Bison is capturing Ken and he can, like, see 
whatever he's thinking. He's like messing with his mind. And, you know, Ken also has the, the Ken doll pouch. I don't know if you've looked, but he just has no dick and balls. He's completely <laughs> naked in the seat. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a quasi dream reader, if anything. But that, that was definitely another, uh, an easy one. Yeah. I'm, I, I've backloaded these questions. Okay. Uh, would you rather assassinate a politician in a skimpy outfit? So think of like the Borat mankini. <laughs> so you could maybe have like an overcoat, but you have to have on the mankini at all times when you, yeah, uh, when you commit the... That's pretty scary. When the assassination. <clears throat> or you instantly become super powered, but you have to maintain a secret homosexual relationship with your best friend and sparring partner, or you lose your powers. <laughs> <laughs> So you get to... Oh, uh, yeah, you've outdone yourself on this one. <laughs> oh, boy. Assassinate a politician, which basically means I'm going to jail, which probably I might have to, you know, partake in a homosexual relationship anyways. Yeah, it seems like there's always going to be a, an end for you, literally. Oh, jeez. I have to maintain it too, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't just be like ducking his text messages. It's like, I miss you. It's like, yeah, I do. I, I sort of like you, but you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. You're, he's threatening you. It's like, I know you're going to lose your powers if you don't suck my dick. Come on. Like, <laughs> come over. Uh, well, there's a chance I could get away with it in terms of assassinating a politician. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, you're also. And it doesn't a, really uh, matter whether I'm in a mankini. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're doing it from afar, if you got like a sniper rifle, it's more just for you if you're wearing the mankini. Yeah. See? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, just be up in the uh the bell tower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Assassinate a politician. Yeah. Uh you know, I I I I guess it depends on the superpowers, but I think the assassination of a politician would at least be fun. I mean, on a nice, you know, warm summer day. <laughs> Wearing a mankini wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> I'd want to kill him in the in the summer. It wouldn't be one of those winter things. Uh, question number four. Would you rather get beaten up by a hot dude in the woods every single day for 10 years or try to smuggle 5,000 pounds of cocaine into London? Uh, so these are pretty self-explanatory. First one, the, the, the guy is going to show up on your door. Imagine a Ryan Gosling type kind of... He comes up. He's just kind of leaning up against the threshold. It's like, you ready? And you're like, oh, all right. He's completely shirtless. And he just beats your ass in the woods. Or, uh, you know, several pallets of cocaine is delivered to your house and you have to get them to London. <laughs> pallets? In a week. Um, yeah, I don't want to take that beating for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want a, a Ken dude coming out and beating yeah. your butt. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smuggle that 5,000 pounds of cocaine. How would you even think you would go about that? Like, it, uh, really, five thousand pounds? Or they kill? I'll, I'll say they'll straight up kill you if you can't accomplish it. Yeah. <laughs> Who's they? <laughs> the person who dropped off the fucking drugs. Like, yeah. you're a drug dealer, but you have, uh, you know, responsibilities. You got to be able to get it somewhere. Yeah. Well, I guess I just have to rent a, a truck and uh, load it up in the middle of the night and just drive it in. I mean, to who London? would know? Yeah. From North Carolina to England. Oh, you're saying from here. Yeah, I'm saying you have to transport 5,000 pounds of cocaine from this house to fucking London, England. Or you get your ass beaten by Ryan Gosling. Well, I think I would probably sell it to somebody that... No, that wouldn't work. Yeah, you can't, you can't <laughs> fucking sneak out of these questions. Uh, 
Yeah, I'd figure it out. Okay, I guess uh, I, I guess mean, I would like on. to hear that. I'm not, it, it, it doesn't matter whether I'm getting beat up by a hot dude or a freaking ugly <laughs> dude. <laughs> well, I was just I mean, like, wait, he's hot. Yeah, I'll take the beating. <laughs> <laughs> so have you seen his abs? I let him get my abs. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it really would be one of those things. Like, if the hot dude is like, if we're sparring at all, or if he's just teeing off on me. <laughs> Because if we're like fighting, like I might be able to have like fun with it, but yeah, I don't know if I could smuggle five thousand pounds of fucking cocaine. I mean, it. Yeah, I guess it also matters how bad of a beating you take. You know, if he just like throws you to the ground, you know, no. like first guy or in the in the same way that Chun Li was kicking Vega against the wall, like he's he's coming with that type of energy. Like yeah. he's he's trying to beat her up. Well, I don't even think. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting beat up every day for ten years, you're probably not gonna make it. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day. Uh, okay. Uh, would you rather have one member of your family be replaced with a cyborg who will eventually try to kill you? Or you have to go back in time and try to punch Gandhi in the neck so you can return to present times? So let's say with the first one, it's pretty self-explanatory. One of us is chosen at random. Troy, me, dad, or not you, mom, whoever, uh, becomes a cyborg. Or... You enter some sort of weird parallel time rip, and you're sent back to whatever year Gandhi is still alive. And the only way for you to get back to this present time is to somehow get to India, locate him, and punch him directly in the throat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I instantly punch him, and then I, boom, I return to present time? Yes. Yeah. But Yeah, that, yeah I'm not going to replace any of my family with a cyborg. Yeah. Yeah, the Gandhi thing, like, when I thought of it, because in the movie, it is a Gandhi-like figure. He gets punched in the neck. I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. And I knew <laughs> this took place at a different time period, so I, I like the idea that it would be your uh, yeah. your way of returning home. <laughs> uh, I can't remember when Gandhi was alive. He, 70s. I mean, you'd have to, like, get a plane from North Carolina. Because you might just hang out there for a while before, you know, you know tracking down Gandhi. Yeah, I guess you can enjoy the the Indian landscape, yeah. the Himalayas. Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess I'd try to, you know, suck Gandhi in the throat. He's not like he's going to fight me back. I mean, he's a pacifist, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, he'll probably let me. Uh, and then the cyborg thing. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't account for that. No. Uh, and then finally, we have, would you rather be mind-controlled into doing crimes that you can't remember or work as a Secret Service agent for Trump? So let's say... I don't know. You're kind of like a splinter cell. Like you're going to be activated in the middle of the night. Your 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 wife thinks something shady's going on, but you're sleepwalking essentially committing murder of uh of politicians and the other one is is, is self-explanatory. I mean, you got to essentially avoid the coronavirus. You got to hide crimes, not even that you can't remember. Um you just got to be around. Yeah, wife. no. Um is yeah, I'll be the secret service for Trump. I mean, it's only a four-year job. Yeah, and I, I guess mean, being mind controlled and doing crimes—that might put me in prison. So yeah, especially yeah. if they catch you. Of course, being Secret Service or Trump might put me in prison too. I mm -hmm. don't know. I like the idea of you being mind controlled and you still put the mankini on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you kind of slip it onto your shoulders and you walk out the door. Uh, that's your—that's uh, your real outfit. Well, uh, Dad, we're we're. We're definitely not feeling good about our performance, and we've kind of cooled out a little bit uh, playing Would You Rather, but we're looking forward. We're not only looking to the next game, we're, we're looking to put these 
characters and the story a little bit further than where we left it. We're going to play a little Ghibli all grown up. Dad, what is your potential sequel idea? All right, at the end of the film, it appears that Bison is still alive. Even though he's, you know, coming down on him in a semi, uh, somehow <laughs> Rio, he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't end up killing Rio, and he keeps on going down the road. Just drive by? <laughs> yeah, he just is like, all right, I missed. Because he's sort of, he's a little weak after yeah. his uh, his uh, fight with uh, Rio and Ken. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so as he's driving down the road, he decides that, you know, brainwashing grown fighters is not the way to go. And he realizes that he's got to, you know, develop fighters while they're young and impressionable. Okay. So, he's grooming them? Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you know, he's just up the you know road in Seattle. So he, he heads down to Southern California, and he starts seeking out local dojos. Okay. And the first jojo, dojo he finds is none other than Cobra Kai. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Now, um, you know, he, he's a little weak, so he he uses his psychic abilities and he persuades Johnny Lawrence, who's the, you know, sensei now at Cobra Kai, uh-huh. to let him buy into the dojo. As a and, sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yeah, he's going to, you know, finance it now, help him grow the, the dojo. Great. Oh, and he wants to, like, basically, you know, bring it back to the ruthless dojo that it was in the past. Of course. Which is sort of... You know, sort of where they're still going with Cobra Kai. Yeah, it's aligned. Now, we never see who the sensei is for uh, Ryu and Ken. And because the reality is that it's none other than a reincarnated Mr. Miyagi. Oh, shit. Yeah. He, that's why he was in that box. Yeah, exactly. They just didn't want to show. It's, it's really a Miyagi. But okay. it's sort of like a reincarnated. So he could look a little different, but he's... Sure. He's the... He's still box-bound. Yeah. <laughs> and... um the thing is, it should have been obvious because although they don't show it in the movie, they, they had to do a lot of face uh, fence painting and uh, waxing the Porsche. What? Did you see? Waxing the Porsche? No, fa- fence painting in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, it was okay. like, you know. I thought you said face painting like they went to a carnival. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, paint the fence, sure, wax sure. on, wax off. Okay. And uh, it's the Porsche that you see Ken driving in the movie because... Mr. Miyagi obviously likes to give cars to uh, his students before they leave the dojo because apparently he gives one to his uh, students and just like he gave Daniel a 1947 Ford Super Deluxe in the Karate Kid. Cool. Yeah, so that's where that that. Porsche comes from, even though he's a billionaire, I guess. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. Okay, so with the new rise of Cobra Kai, Mr. Miyagi contacts Ryu and Ken in their dreams. And they are both told to travel to Southern California to once again defeat Bison and uh, put it into his plans. And after arriving, Ryu and Ken create their own dojo to compete with Cobra Kai. And they call it Miyagi Ki because they use that key, you know, force, whatever. Okay. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they train the, the students in the Miyagi way with the addition of how to harness the power of key. And they also obtain the help of Daniel. And they <laughs> <laughs> fucking what Scott Machio, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Oh yeah, is. Machio comes back. Oh my god! And um, with the help of uh, and oh well, they be, you know he develops this you know and Daniel harnesses the power of key and okay. now so he develops this very powerful attack called the crane key kick. Nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's it's the crane kick. Um and. 
so you know basically the two jo- dojos compete in a tournament and um Miyagi's dojo roundly defeats Cobra Kai. Okay, great. And Bison is furious. And he rounds up all his former, you know, Shadow Law underlings. And Ryu and Ken also send out the call to all the street fighters that Bison is alive and plotting to return to power. Mm-hmm. So basically a, a massive battle ensues. Uh Ryu fu- uh faces off again against Sagat. And Ryo, uh, Ryu is, uh, uh, you know, based, is able to defeat him again. Uh-huh. And Chun-Li is determined to avenge the death of her father and faces off with Bison. Mm-hmm. Now, Bison has regained most of his former powers, and they have a fierce battle. And then Bison is getting the best of Chun-Li and stuns her. Daniel comes to her rescue <laughs> and sets up his crane kick, his crane <laughs> key kick. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate that Scott Macchio is gonna beat that. <laughs> Don't finish. Just finish what you're gonna say. So you know, Bison looks at him. And he just starts laughing. He's uh-huh. like, "No way is this kid gonna." You know, well, he's not a kid yeah. now. He's an adult, Daniel but he's son. like the most non-intimidating person. You know, sure. and there's no way that he's gonna be able to, you know, do any harm to Bison. Uh-huh. So Bison moves in, you know, to finish him off, and then Daniel, you know, releases his crane kick. Which takes Bison by surprise, totally stuns him. Chun Li, who by this time has recovered, she unleashes her death move at the exact same time. This combination move eviscerates Bison. Chun Li has her revenge, so Bison is put down. Now, whether he's actually dead or not, you know, he seems to always, you know, reappear. But anyway, at this point, he's gone. Now, with Bison gone, the fight ends. Both sides come to a truth. Cobra Kai and Miyagi Kai, uh, um, yeah, Cobra Kai and Miyagi Ki oh. merges one. Johnny, um, you know, Lawrence finally learns his lesson that his way of teaching will never work. And with the help of Rio and Danielle, um, the dojo becomes famous for producing some of the finest fighters in the world. You know, there's been uh, X Men crossovers, there's been Tekken, but a Cobra Kai. Uh, not only just the crossover, but a feature where 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 Scott Macchio is the the, the quasi hero <laughs> at the end of it. Uh, you you caught me off guard with that one. For and sure. uh, I also have some post updates after this. Okay, <laughs> like post like a, yeah, sort of updates on what's happened to the characters. Uh-huh. You know, after this uh, the events. This, yes, the events that uh, just transpired. But anyways, Chun Li leaves Interpol, mm-hmm. becomes an Instagram star. To the delight of young boys everywhere. Great. Her major sponsors is Jerkins Hand Cream. This is all fan service. <laughs> <laughs> you had like a respectable role for Chun Li, and then she becomes an Instagram thought. Yeah. I don't. Oh my god. You knew it was gonna happen. Did you? I think so. That's like a pretty big fall. Like quitting Interpol, where you're a high-ranking agent, and then yeah, just but becoming... she's she's avenged her father's death, and now she just wants to take it easy. Yeah, take... pull in on her stardom. Yeah, or your yeah, take pictures of her tits for the yeah, internet. Right. <laughs> and uh, Guile leaves the military and becomes a professional race car driver. Oh, okay. And he's sponsored by a leading hair gel maker. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, Ken goes back to Seattle only to find that Elisa was cheating on him. Strangely, he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, well, okay. This, this kind of works out. That's tough. That's uh, fucking tough. Sagat becomes a UFC fighter and becomes the heavyweight champ. 
mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately gets disqualified for steroid use. Of course. When you're 7'5 and you're that shredded, that's probably yeah. a, a real... Cammy also joins the UFC and ends up uh, ends the reign of Amanda Nunes. Ooh. Yeah. Finally. Somebody's taking her down. E. Hondo tries out for the L.A. Rams, makes the team, but is released after getting in a brawl in a strip club. Fuck, dude. He saw... <laughs> he was in there with Petrick yeah. throwing bottles at each oh, other yeah. like they're Drake and Chris they're Brown. They're buddies. That's tough. Uh, Blanca starts his own YouTube channel. <laughs> How do you get out of his cage? <laughs> well, he promotes vegetarianism and is a pita darling. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good for Blanca. And um, I don't know how to sell this. What What is his name? Holism? Dalism? Dalism? Dalism, yeah. Yeah, he stays in L.A. and starts a yoga studio for Hollywood elites, but uh, later has to flee the United States after being accused of sexual misconduct. <laughs> <laughs> Dalsam doesn't have to be a pe- like a fucking predator. He's a he's a yoga guy, man. He's just I mean I get there's it. a long history of yoga guys having a problem with you know you know m- now that you say it, you're right I, yeah and I, I I like these a lot more than the story itself the <laughs> the post credit scenes <laughs> that was worth the whole thing seeing Dalsam get taken away in cuffs for yeah, uh, molesting somebody is is pretty crazy. <laughs> Well, he actually just flees the United States. Oh, well, whatever. He, he's a Roman Polanski of himself. There he's hiding go. in infamy. Yeah. Uh, was there anybody else you wanted to... Uh... No, those are the only updates that I have currently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, that was very enlightening, at the very least, of, <laughs> of where these characters can go. Uh, I had definitely not something similar, but uh, my sequel is going to take place in the year 2005. It's uh, 14 years after the events of Street Fighter II, and the movie opens up on Ken's 40th birthday. He's gotten a little bit of a haircut. He's trimmed up those crazy eyebrows, but he still looks good. You know, he's at the tail end of his fighting prime, but he's chiseled like a fucking statue. I mean, he's still gorgeous. Uh, Since their last encounter with Bison, and essentially no second world tournament in sight, Ryo has been completely off the map. No one has seen or heard from him in over a decade. Uh, but in spite of that, there's there's been plenty of you know other stuff happening with all the other characters. Uh, after years of putting it off, Ken and uh, Eliza uh, pretty much settled down. He, he convinced her that he was going to let the past go, and they've been married for the last 10 years. And they uh, raised their young son, Mel, in a, royal, uh, in a rural farm out in Washington. Uh, at Ken's birthday party, all you know the usual suspects arrive. Guile comes down in a chopper, dead sprints to the house. His hair does not move at all. Uh, E Honda's in the kitchen helping out, maybe, you know, picking at the snacks. He's not really being helpful, but he's definitely eating everything. Uh, Chun Li shows up with Sagat in a Toyota, which kind of turns some heads since she and, uh, Guile, uh, used to date. So that might be a little awkward. And then Cammy White shows up just looking hot as fuck in the tightest unitard imaginable. Uh, it's a great time. I mean, everyone is having, uh, you know, a good birthday. They're laughing, drinking beer, maybe having like a wrestling match outside. But we see that the birthday boy is a little distracted. He's looking out the window. Something else is on his mind. And Eliza uh, can sense something is wrong. Uh, so just from looking at the, you know, the look in Ken's eye, we know he's waiting for you. He's, he's looking over kind of the, the hillside and he's, he's hoping to see that headband fluttering in the wind, him walking up uh, to the house. And Eliza puts a hand on his shoulder and he you know, asks if anything's wrong. And Ken says nothing. And he, he looks back around and, you know, Ryu's gone. There's nobody there. We then cut, you know, the camera cuts. To a bearded Ryu in a dimly lit bar somewhere in Southeast Asia. 
He's drunk enough to interpret that he has no idea what day it is, and he's you know got another shot in hand. I mean, he's just slugging it. The bartender yells in Vietnamese that he's cut off, and Ryu slams the shot, and he just stumbles out into the street. But a gang of ruffians who have been watching Ryu and you know want to start some trouble, they follow him out in the street. Uh, the thugs approach him as he pukes into a gutter, and he, he's he's really at his worst. They ask him if he's lost, or you know, they're 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 about to attack him. Uh, but Ryu doesn't just answer, but he spits bile in one of their faces, and then they all descend upon him. And as you can imagine, Ryu puts them the fuck down. I mean, he hasn't lost any of his edge, even in his advanced age. He is still at the top of his game. He's been training nonstop, uh, and with the bodies strewn all around him, he he looks up at the night sky and he. You know, sees the stars and he whispers Ken's name longingly. He's just kind of thinking about him. Uh, cut back to Ken and Mel in the yard. They're they're play sparring. They're enjoying the day. He's just enjoying his time with his kid. Uh, Eliza comes out on the porch. She has a distressed look. She asks come the Ken to come inside. You know, she's like, "You have a call," and she's kind of like being cagey about it. Uh, Ken looks inside. He sees the phone set down on the counter. And he just knows in his heart it's Ryu. There's like, he's no fucking way. It's not Ryu. You know, he picks it up, and he's right. Uh, so the camera cuts back and forth between, you know, Ken pulling the long phone cord into the other room to have a private conversation with his old boyfriend. And, Le- you know, Ryu is just <laughs> leaned up against this old payphone, just drunk, still bathed in moonlight, just trying to, like, whisper uh, to Ken whatever he's talking about. Uh, you know, but as drunk as he is, he's excited to talk to him. He's, he's He apologizes for missing his birthday, and there's a there's a sense of longing in his voice that sends a chill down Ken's back. And... Uh, you know, he's kind of basking in the moment, but he knows something's wrong because Ryu never calls first. So then we see Eliza. She's looking in from the porch and, you know, Ken comes back into the kitchen after the call ends and she asks what the call is about. Ryu says that he's in trouble. Bison has returned and Ken has to go help him. Uh, this starts a little bit of a, a bickering back and forth, but Eliza knows there's no stopping him. Ken's going to go. So Ken packs and in the next scene, he, he takes his, his private plane and he, uh, he touched down in, uh, in Vietnam. Uh, where Ryu is waiting for him at the tarmac, and they have a, a very sentimental moment. Ken comes out from the, the plane, and he makes eye contact with Ryu, and it's the first time they've seen each other in over a decade. We quickly learn that whatever Ken told Eliza isn't true. I mean, as their spare early converse tell us, there's, there's nothing about bison. It's kind of just them getting together. Uh, they catch up. They drive in Ken's rental car to a small cottage where Ryu is living. For days, they spar in the jungle. They spend their evenings on the beach, and all the old chemistry is there. And as the sun falls, they reminisce about their training days, their old master, Goken, and the secret intimate moments they used to share. When Ken asks Ryu what he's been doing for the last decade, he says he's been looking for a sparring partner like Ken, but nobody comes close. (laughs) Although this is the happiest they've been in years, the two know this can't go on forever. And uh, Ken eventually feels the pressure enough to call back home. And, you know, he kind of misses his kid a little bit, too. He misses his wife. And he he calls up home, and Eliza is crying. She's just bawling her eyes out. She asks Ken where he is, what he's doing, because she's been talking to Guile and Chun-Li, and they've heard nothing about Bison's return. So this is like, she's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. So Ken, you know, ends the call. He's all distraught that he's caught up in a lie. And for the rest of the day, he's, he's pretty standoffish and angry with Ryu. Then that night, after a uh, particularly tense training session where they uh, snap at one another, Ken is cleaning off in the shower. The room is steamy. The mirrors are fogged, and he hears someone enter the bathroom. <laughs> moments, lenter, moments later, Ryu slips into the shower. At first, they don't engage. Ryu just nudges him aside so he can get a little bit of the water, and Ken looks at the shredded naked body of the man he used to love. The man he still loves, uh, but he, 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 you, know, you can see that he's conflicted. 
But without a word, you know, Kevin, uh, Kevin, <laughs> Ken grabs that nice bar of soap. He starts rubbing on Ryu's back and he places his head on his shoulder. <laughs> and he's just so he's just so caught up in the moment. Oh, no. Their bodies are completely fatless. I mean, they're they're gorgeous and they have uh, essentially the, the two girthiest, most muscular penises you've ever seen. <laughs> there has to be a dick shot. They're kind of standing next to each other. And, you know, he has a. Yeah. Like I said, two muscular penises. Uh, Ryu is looking at the wall. The water's coming down. He's like, you're the only man who's ever beat me. You're the only one. I haven't been beaten up by anybody since. And then Ryu turns, he sees Ken crying. And the two men share a bittersweet kiss, holding one another as the water falls across their face. They look into each other's eyes and the audience knows that there's this, this is the last stand. A final choice between being together or having a life apart. Ken smiles and places a hand on Ryu's cheek. And from the expression, you know what Ken's going to do. And it breaks <laughs> Ryu's heart. Our score is settled, Ken says. Then he steps out of the shower. And the final image of the film is a, a camera hold on Ryu. The water's still coming down. And he looks out it to nothingness and the life of happiness he lets slip away. And uh, the way I came up with this fucking movie, <laughs> this is like oh several movies. God. This I is thought Brokeback Mountain was <sighs> intimate for sure. Yeah. Well, this is like Moonlight, Brokeback Mountain, and uh, Like Crazy. The ending is the same thing as Like Crazy. It's Anton Yelchich and uh, Felicity Jones like holding each other in the shower, and they know they're not going to be together anymore. <laughs> But I, I wanted to give Ryu and Ken at least a chance for happiness because Ken's living a lie. And I think everybody knows it. <laughs> uh, well, we, we. Wow, that was. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect it to go there either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did you not? Honestly, yeah. uh, you watched the movie, too. Everybody yeah. knows. it. Well, yeah, there was definitely a bromance there, but. Speaking of bromances, uh, we're going to... Got a little bit too real there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was no penetration or anything. Thank God. Thank God. Hey, calm down. Street Fighter 2 would have, you know, gone in a whole different direction. You know, like I said before, dude, these movies are never too far away from an orgy. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of bromances, we're going to jump right into Put Him on the Rushmore. And uh, the first one up, it's the Bromance Rushmore. And Ken and Ryu uh, have some pretty stiff competition. So uh, I'm going to read them out now. Does Ken and Ryu beat out Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer as uh, <laughs> Val Kilmer mm-hmm. as Maverick and Iceman and Top Gun? You can be my wingman anytime. Uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford in the titular Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah as Seth and Evan in Superbad. Or uh, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves as Bodie and Johnny Utah in Point Break. And I have a few honorable mentions. Uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith is Silent or Jay and Silent Bob and Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Uh, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman as Andy Dufresne and Ellis Red Redding in Shawshank Redemption, and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost is Sean and Ed and Shaun of the Dead. So, Dad, does Ken and Ryu get onto the bromance? Get onto the bromance Rushmore. I burped a little bit there. Um. Hmm. Pretty stacked category. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say no. 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 I guess, yeah, I mean, if anything, I would... I feel like you definitely want to put him up there. I would take out Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah at the very least. I mean, Superbad is, has bro elements, like bromance elements, and he even says he loves Evan at the end, but... You know, Ken and Ryu, there's a there's a spark there that that is is definitely unattended to for the most part. But I think they have to be on the bromance rush more. If they're up there with with Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise as Maverick and Iceman, who 
are just as homoerotic as these two, then I don't think you can fucking you know, keep them off. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Okay, okay. Uh, the next up, gratuitous nudity Rushmore. Does uh, Chun-Li's shower scene beat out Phoebe Cates as Linda Barrett in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Juliet Danielle as Lisa in The Room? Uh, you've seen The Room, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Halle Berry as Ginger Knowles in Swordfish, and then Ken Jong as Mr. Chow in The Hangover. And uh, a few honorable mentions, I have Lindsay Lohan in The Canyons, Jason Siegel in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Sasha Baron Cohen's Nude Fight in Borat, and the shower scene in Starship Troopers. Does Chun-Li's shower scene get on the gratuitous nudity Rushmore? I think it definitely does. Okay. Who are you going to take off? Um, I think I'm going to take Holly Berry off. Mm-hmm. Because I think she had a prior with Billy Bob. Wasn't that movie? Didn't that come out before Short Swordfish? Um... Monsters Ball wasn't that what it was? It was like yeah, the, yeah, Monsters Ball. I don't know if that came out before Swordfish, but there's an interesting anecdote about that uh, nude scene for Halle Berry. She was paid five hundred thousand dollars extra to show her breasts in the movie. So really? yeah, I it, remember that in Swordfish. Yeah, it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars each tit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I wonder if she had to negotiate that. Like, well, one, I'll give you this. Two. Yeah, it's a double deal. Yeah. You can't just hit one or the other. But uh, considering that uh, Chun-Li is, uh, or the, the popularity of Street Fighter, I think it belongs there. Yeah. I, I mean, Halle Berry was compensated. Chun-Li was exposed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Vega was like peeking down from the, the fucking vents, kind of like waiting for her to come out of the, uh, the the shower. So I'm okay with Halle Berry. The, the uh, Phoebe Cates, that is probably front and center. I mean, at least back in my day. Mm-hmm. Everyone was talking about that. Oh yeah, I mean the guy is jerking off in the scene, like he's <laughs> watching her from the window, imagining this happening. So it's definitely the male gaze uh, at the very least. Uh, next up, we have the ridiculous hair Rushmore, and this is the male edition because I didn't want to take away any potential female uh, Rushmore opportunities. Uh, does Guile, with his with super quaffed uh, flat top, beat out Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurh? in No Country for Old Men, Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod in The Fifth Element, John Travolta as Turl in Battlefield Earth, or uh, Will Ferrell as Mugatu in Zoolander. And a few honorable mentions, David Bowie as Jareth the uh, Goblin King in Labyrinth, Cousin It in The Addams Family, Johnny Depp in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Jim Carrey as Ace Ventura in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah, I'll put him up there. Who are you taking off? Uh, I'm going to take off... uh... Although I don't remember Chris Tucker's hair in The Fifth Element. Really? It no. lo- I mean, it looks like a, like a, a roll of like paper towels, but it's like blonde. <laughs> That's really what it looks like. It's like this big thing coming out of his head. It's really quite incredible. Okay, well, just that description, I, I have to probably keep him on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off John. John, John Travolta. Travolta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John is barely... I remember had... that, and, you know, that's sort of been done. Yeah. Yeah. And he barely has any hair anyways. He's been yeah. wearing a wig his whole life. So exactly. It's you know, if you lose your hair, you, you can't even be on ridiculous hair brush more anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're going to fight it that hard as John Travolta did. That's what happens when you're a Scientologist. You, you fight the truth. Uh, final Rushmore. The video game adaptation Rushmore. And this is, is wide open, in my opinion, because I haven't seen a lot of these. And I'm sure you haven't seen a lot of them either. 
Does Street Fighter 2 beat out Detective Pikachu, Sonic the Hedgehog, Tomb Raider, and Mortal Kombat? Uh, the original Mortal Kombat, not the one that's coming out. And the honorable mentions are Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil, Warcraft, Street Fighter, the uh, live action, or uh, Angry Birds and Rampage are the other ones. Um, these, I mean, to give you some sort of context, most of these have at least like a 60 plus on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Mortal Kombat, I don't think is, uh, that highly regarded, but it does have like a cult following. Right. I'm going to just say no, because I just don't think the, the movie movie was very good. Yeah. And, um, Detective Pikachu, I think that did an incredible amount of money. It did. I mean, that's why it's number one. Detective Pikachu made a shit ton of money. Pokemon is still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we did an episode. We wanted yeah. to capitalize on the Jews. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get up on there just because yeah. I don't think this is like a, no. a functioning movie. It's it's more of a, a vehicle to show everybody off, like I right. mentioned before. But that's tough. It hasn't been the, the greatest week for... Uh, uh, Street Fighter. It looks like Guile got his chance. Actually, no, Chun Li got one. And yeah, there was two out of four. Well, I I actually put a. Uh, oh yeah, you Ken- get the bromance. So yeah, I mean, I w- nudity and ridiculous hair. So three out of four. I was just kind of like playing off your your. I guess your anti. My first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're 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 pretty we're pretty good. All right. Uh, we we've come to the point now where we're obviously past all the the ideas of what we want these characters to be going and we're trying to put this into the real world we're trying to do a live action netflix recast of street fighter 2 yeah did you have anybody as a a director that you wanted to uh yeah i don't know how i just skipped over that yeah yeah that's okay i like your pick (laughs) because i think it covers a lot of ground well (laughs) you know Ang Lee not only directed Brokeback Mountain, but also, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, so exactly. The the duplicity. I, yes, exactly. When I see that, you know, those the two. Duality. Yeah, it seems only fitting. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he contains multitudes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, who did you have as your Ryu? And we have a couple. I mean, we have a lot of castings here, so let's try to bust through these yeah. in the best way. I had Louis Tan. And uh, I don't know if he wants to keep doing these... Uh, um, fighting, fighting movies, movies but because uh, he's out, he's up uh, upcoming in Mortal Kombat, and uh-huh. I guess he was also in Deadpool too. Yeah, I think he was like Star Shatter or something like that. But uh, I thought he'd make a good Ryu. Yeah, I'm fine with that pick. I had uh, Luddy Lin, who is also going to be uh, appearing in that Mortal Kombat oh, really? movie. Yeah, I had somebody else, but he'll he'll uh, show up as my uh, Fei Long. I want to get to it, but I thought Luddy Lin was uh, more age appropriate, at least for my uh, my Ken, who. I don't mind your your Ken pick if you want to just go out. And yeah, say I have it. Zac Efron. Zac Efron, shredded Ken doll of a man. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. that's perfect. Well, he sort of got that little, you know, he sort of got some humor to him. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I thought that's what Ken needs. Yeah, at least he has to have that uh, that rich pretty boy uh, yeah. sort of mentality. Yeah. Uh, I found this actor Lucas Till, who is MacGyver, and he was in uh, X Men First Class. He likes to keep his hair long. He's, you know, blonde. He kind of just straight up looks like Kent. So for me. No, he works. Paired with Luddy Lynn, who I think they're both like early 30s. I think that uh, I think that's a perfect pair for them. Yeah. Who was your Chun-Li? I had Landa, Lana Condor. Me and my dad watch anime favorite, Lana Condor. Has she been there before? I I mean, I've definitely used Lana or Lana, whatever. 
Jubilee superhero film X mm-hmm. X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, I think that's uh that's probably like the number one pick for most people. I had a uh, Jamie Chung who was uh, a voice in Big Hero Six and she was in The Gifted. But you know Chun Li is a uh, I think I prefer your Lana Condor for Chun Li than mine. The Jamie okay, Chung. who is your uh, your guile? I had Chris Hemsworth. Okay, big blonde beefy. Yeah. I can see him getting that quaff. Yeah, they can do that hair on him. Okay. And I had uh, Scott Eastwood, who was in uh, Pacific Rim, and he was most recently in The Outpost. But he's got that kind of, you know, maybe if he shaved his eyebrows, but he has those pinched kind of eyes, uh, that strong blonde hair, the strong chin. I don't think he has the muscle mass, but he can get there. I mean, he's an Eastwood. Yeah. He'll figure it out. He'd work. Who is your M. Bison? I had um, Javier Bardem. Perfect. And, you know, that was my, my number one choice. And Oh, really? You you had the same? Well, I mean, the way that I kind of compile these, I'm looking through sites. I'm making my own opinions. And Javier Bardem had come up a, a couple times that I'd seen. And I like that pick. He's a good villain. You can see it in Sugar. Yeah. Um, but I had uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who is kind of like a an American knockoff Javier Bardem. Yeah. So No, I, I actually like that. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that would work, too. Maybe he'd be. Of course, uh, he's. You ever seen him now? He's really skinny. Yeah, he he definitely looks a little bit different than his Negan days when he was yeah. uh, coming out. But yeah, but even in Negan, he didn't. He doesn't have a lot of muscle mass on him right now. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but well, well, hopefully he doesn't have any sort of underlying disease. <laughs> uh, who is your Sagat? Uh, Vin Diesel. Strong, bald. Yeah. I don't know if he's anywhere near seven five, but he, he could definitely get some CGI in there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, he's got the you know the muscle mass. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a little bit of uh you know flubbier in the stomach nowadays now that he's an older man. But <laughs> I, I think they could. Yeah, make it but work. they he would he could get into quick shape for sure. You would hope so if he's not drinking Corona. You all see the time. it all the time in Hollywood. Yeah, they get fat, then they lose the weight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I had uh, an actor by the name of Winston James Francis who was in Fist Fight with Ice Cube and Charlie Day, and he's been in a couple of other projects. But this man is seven foot tall is he yeah he is a, a giant he's over 300 pounds i mean he would be the perfect sagat if we were to try to pick just somebody to do it yeah he he definitely looks like he would be a mean sagat i don't think he has the the muscle mass i i haven't seen him shirtless i don't think i really tried that hard to find it but yeah i'm okay with uh, mr winston james francis stepping in as a as a big sagat there who is your uh pretty boy vega i had tyler posey who is Spanish. I, yeah. I had to look that up. I, yeah. I didn't well, that's really... sort of, I mean, I was looking for Spanish actors, uh-huh. and he came up, and I'm like, well, he looks perfect, actually. I tried really hard to find a, uh, a blonde He's pretty Spanish. heavily tattooed. Who? Uh, Tyler Vega? Posey? Oh, I mean. And I don't know if those are fake, but, I mean, pictures I saw, I was like, how do the Hollywood actors get away with that? You can um, you can put some powder on that stuff. It's pretty, pretty easy yeah. to hide. Okay. I had uh, Diego Luna who was in uh, Star Wars Rogue One, and he's going to have to put on a lot of muscle mass. I, I really, it was either that or like Pedro Pascal or something like that. But Yeah, I, I, I looked at actually both of these guys, yeah. and then somehow Tyler came up, but I, I was I, considering him. I think Diego Luna, if he is really willing to commit to the gym, it, it could be a good pick for me. Uh, speaking of somebody who's committed to the gym, who was your Balrog? Terry Crews. Notable dad fighter and uh, porn addict. He was actually, uh, I don't know if you uh, 
knew that, but I had used his quote for the last episode when uh, I said the medical porn addiction. <laughs> that whole second paragraph was an actual quote from him. Really? Yeah. Terry Crews has a porn addiction. No longer. I mean, he he's pretty out of it that he doesn't. Watch oh, porn he's reformed. Yeah, he's a he's a new man. He says it's ruined his life. And he was <laughs> so yeah. Good. Remember, for I heard that that podcast with. Um, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah, when he fights. Yeah, I was really like impressed with Terry Crews, but now it's just like, oh boy. I mean, a, not that porn addiction is, you know, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> my dad doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, for my Balrog, I didn't have necessarily the 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 muscle mass of a Terry Crews, but I did have the size. I found Winston Duke, who was uh, in Black Panther, and he was also in Us. He's like. Six four, I mean he's just a big dude. He was also in, uh, yeah, like I said, Black Panther. He he's a very imposing figure. He shaves his head into that weird cornrow that Balrog has. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. I mean, I'm just looking at this Balrog picture, and I really think it's racist. Like this fucking. <laughs> well, the thing that we didn't even consider is that Balrog was M Bison in the Japan version. We can't bring fucking Tyson back. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's in fighting shape, but like. I mean, whatever. If he you got wanna... in some good shape for that boxing match, although I thought that was a scam. Yeah, that was a little silly. But, you know, a 50-something-year-old 50, 50 Mike Tyson uh, stepping in. Uh, you know what? I'm not, I don't hate it. I, I can see it happen. Actually, I think that that would be sort of like, because he doesn't have a big part. It would be sort of that cameo. Yeah. <laughs> it's full circle. Yeah. They were trying to avoid the Mike yeah. Tyson comparison, yeah. and they came They're back. They're like, around. hey, man, we want you to be in the film. Yeah, that works for me. I'm okay with that. Uh, who was your E Honda? I had Tyler Willie or Wiley. Uh -huh. I guess he's in Hawaii Five O. And the reason why I picked him is he's a former sumo wrestler. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Good pick then. Yeah. I mean I uh I was trying to find uh He's a little old. He's like in his I think he's fifty one now. Mm -hmm. But he still looks like he could pull off E Honda. Yeah. Hopefully And he... E is like I think that's for Edmund. Yeah, Edmund Honda. <laughs> What a white name for a Japanese uh, sumo wrestler. wrestler. Edmund. Yeah. Come on now. That that works for me. I don't know. Uh, you know, hopefully Tyler can um, get at least a four pack before he, he gets in front of the camera for E Honda because nah, Honda is, is still muscular. Yeah, but size. that that's by the you know the magic of animation. Yeah, the anime <laughs> standards are just not there for him. Uh, I came upon Cooper Andrews, who is in The Walking Dead, and yeah. He uh he might be my my number one pick. Yeah. No. Once I saw it, I'm like, oh, perfect. Yeah. He's uh I looked up his weight. He's about 302 pounds. He's like six something. So he I don't I think probably E Honda is closer to like four or five of just Actually, muscle. Actually, I think Wiley might be tipping 400. So he might be closer in weight. Okay. Well, they'll have. <laughs> but a, I still like your guy. They'll have a way off. He's a little younger. Yeah. If anything, they'll they'll have a sumo match to decide who gets the role. Yeah. Uh, we only have a couple of these left. Who is your uh, DJ? I had Michael Jai White. Mm -hmm. He he's a little old too, but I mean, this was a small part too. So he was Al Simmons, the protagonist in the 1997 film Spawn. He was also Black Dynamite. Yes, ever seen yes, that. <laughs> that's right. He was Black Dynamite. I'm okay with that. Michael J. White's got that uh, that. You know, at factor. first I had put down. Um, Dwayne Johnson, but then I realized Dwayne Johnson probably gets what 
ten million dollars a film. That's the whole budget. Yeah, yeah we're, we're exactly. all spending it for a, a short cameo from the, the Rock. Because in the um, the live action one that they did, Street Fighter Two, that had uh, Claude Van Damme. Yeah, they had to pay him eight million, and the film's budget was like thirty something million. So Jesus. they used up, you know, over a, you know a quarter of the freaking budget just for him. I and was, of course, the movie was a a flop. Yeah, no, I did a little research on that movie, and apparently, uh, Mister Mister Van Dam was coked out of his fucking mind that whole movie. Really? Yeah, he barely. I mean, obviously, he barely knows how to speak English, and he plays a American captain. That's so. quite a gig, then. You know, give me eight million, and then I'll just you know show up coked out of my mind. That's most movies. Uh, in a most movies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Hollywood for Christ's sake. Yeah, cocaine is not that crazy. Yeah, right. Uh, I had um. I had two options. I, I kind of like uh, maybe Michael B. Jordan as kind of more of a, a conventional pick. But, you know, Tyrese Gibson has, has fallen on some financial strafes these last couple of years. And I know he's been crying on Instagram about certain shit. So maybe just give him the role. Give him yeah. some sort of prosthetic hair attachment. Yeah, because uh, he only has about, what, two minutes of film time. Yeah, it really, it, you know, you would hope you could get somebody there, but it doesn't necessarily really matter. Who is your uh, your Cammy White with the cheeks out? Uh, I had Ronda Rousey, which, I, you know, I saw this pick and I didn't hate it. I thought maybe Ronda doesn't have the acting chops. You can kind of see it in the movies that she's appeared in. But if she's just going to be killing some dudes. Yeah, well, she just has an assassination scene. I yeah. Mean, and uh, she can, you know, she's in the WWF or WWE. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it is at this point, but. <laughs> what is um, it, 20 years before? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, she could probably pull off that, you know, whatever move that uh, Cammy does in the uh, in the movie. The shoulder handstand yeah. into some sort of backbreaker. I was funny because I, <laughs> I was, you know, in doing my research, somebody had a thing from YouTube, and uh, they said, "Watch Cammy do a stripper pole move." On. <laughs> yeah, Cammy. Cammy. I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty freaking accurate." Cammy might have some moves on the pole. Yeah. We, we don't know, and that's pretty much fan fiction territory, which I'm seemingly into writing, so maybe <laughs> I'll get to that in a, in a different Street Fighter movie. I had my, my number one bitch, Florence Pugh, and I, 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 I've, I mentioned her last week, and I've been trying to find a good role for Florence. I think I even mentioned her in the, the Night is Short Walk-On Girl, but this is the role that Florence Pugh was meant to play. Uh, she's appearing in Black Widow in 2021, and... You know, everybody's seen her in Midsommar and Little Women. But is she gonna be a Black Widow? She is gonna be, yeah, she's gonna be in uh, Black Widow. Yeah. She's gonna be like the next younger agent or You're whatever. You're a, a big Florence Pugh fan, uh, obviously. Like I said, she's my number she's, one. She's yeah, she's in your uh, stable of actresses. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> for sure. That's the best way to put it. If anything, in my spank bank. <laughs> 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 Who is uh, your Blanca? Well, obviously, this one is, uh, I think this one's ripe for a, uh, a CGI recreation. For sure. Um, you know, so Andy Serkis could probably do something with this. And uh, I think that's the only real pick. Yeah. I don't think there's really any way I could have casted anybody yeah. else. But Andy I'm sure that they would try to do some kind of weird makeup job on somebody, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I'd, I'd prefer the CGI. A Lou Ferrigno, just dipping them in the green again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some red hair. Uh, or you know, what? Ruffalo? Yeah. yeah. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> just use that old CGI. He, he just plays any green dude now at this point. He's typecast at this yep. point. 
Uh, well, I see you're you're getting in your favorites, Dad. Who is your Fay Long? Yeah, well, I had to dip into my stable, and I'm bringing my my guy Scott Atkins for sure. Scott coming back. He actually comes up in like any martial art buff dude. Like he's there, of course. His r- resume is pretty weak, other mm. than what the heck was he in? He was in uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's his probably his claim to fame. Yeah. At least uh, in recent times, for sure. Yeah. I had Mike Moe, who was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Bruce Lee. And considering that Fei Long is straight up ripped off of uh, Bruce Lee, I think Mike Moe is, is the perfect cast. Oh, yeah. No kidding. And I had I considered him as my Ryu, but once I saw the Fei Long, I was just like, all right, well, sorry, Mike. You got to go to a different role. You got to get walked away from uh, mid-conversation and yeah. never seen from again. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, we got two left, and I really like your Zangief, even though I've never seen him before. He just looks perfect. Who is your Zangief? Yeah, it's Brad William Hankey. That, I mean, he fucking just straight up looks like it. I like, know. That... Well, I had seen him. He's in the uh, the show Manhunt uh-huh. on Netflix, uh, specifically in the uh, the series about uh, Richard Jewell. Okay. And he plays Big John. He's some kind of, like, you know, militia leader. Mm-hmm. Of this small town in North Carolina, of course. Oh, okay. I mean, if you know the story of Richard Jewell, you know what I mean? The guy that got accused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that did the actual bombing was, took up, uh, was, you know, hidden in the Natlaha Forest or something like that in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Pulled a Kaczynski. Yeah, he was like free for like four years. I don't know how long it was. It was a lot of years. He was just out in the wood. How long was the Unabomber just like unattended to? That was like at least five years, right? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, to not get too down hold the, <laughs> the <laughs> Unabomber yeah. fucking rabbit hole. I had uh, Florian Montenu, who was uh, in Creed 2, and uh, he was also going to be in the new Shang-Chi and the Legends of Ten Rings, but he played uh, young Drago in the, the new Creed movie, so I felt like at least he had a, a Russian-adjacent sort of role. And uh, I think he'd be able to step in, uh, step into a Zangief. And the yeah. Final... Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I like those. I I don't guess I didn't pick somebody for that. Uh, for Dalsim. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, it was one of those things that I, I put in the last minute. But I had uh, either Kumail Nanjiani, who got buff for uh, a different MCU movie that I can't remember. So at least he's got the muscle mass now. Just shave his head. I don't know if he's gonna really want to do that. Or another person who might not want to shave their head is uh, Naveen Andrews, who has a beautiful mop of hair. He's best known as playing uh, Saeed in Lost. But yeah, I like that pick too. I'm just trying to get my my favorite my favorite Indian actors into uh, Dalsim to do at least a little something yeah. to be able to identify the buffest dude in the room. <laughs> uh, well, we we've we've received our last drinks, and it doesn't like look like the bartender is going to give us any more. Uh, we, we've come to the end of the bottle and he's hoping to kick us out soon so we can start putting the chairs up on the, the table. But, uh, do we have any questions for the director before we go? Um, I think this one's been answered, but at the, at the time I wrote it, it's like, who is Ken and Ryu's sensei? And cause they never show him. It just shows his voice and he's yeah. like, you know, behind the, the door or something like that. In the and box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I believe it's, 
Goken. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's actually the reincarnated Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, I mean, it, this movie, if we're only basing our knowledge of Street Fighter 2 off of this movie, then anything can happen. Yeah. I'm apparently convinced that, you know, Ken and Ryu have some sort of secret relationship. Uh, speaking of which, I mean, I don't know if you have any more questions, but... No, that was it. Yeah, I, uh, I just don't know why Ryu and Ken didn't settle their score. Why does Ryu immediately just start walking off again and Ken takes his ride from Eliza. He's like, all right, next time we meet, we got a score to settle. It's like, you're, why do you have to leave? Like, just do it right now. And then ultimately, where what is their score to settle? Like who's the best fighter? I guess I, I, there's not really any sort of, uh, nobody really says anything about it. It's just like, I mean, Ken seems to be, you know, seriously troubled by it, but (laughs) (laughs) it's like, where are you? Ryu? I'm sick of waiting. Yeah, exactly. And Ryu's just like, you know, Everywhere, you know, just trying to find random fights. And they never have anything to say to each other. They have, like, a few, like, one-liners when they're fighting bison. But, you know, they have dinner at this fucking sideshow uh, place on the side of the road. And they have nothing to say. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, all right, I'll see you later. You got stronger or something like that, you know. It's just like stupid as ass that's the type of shit you say like in front of your girlfriend like when you know you did something bad with the person that you're with and you're kind of like oh yeah we were just hanging out she's like no i obviously cheated on you with fucking ken or ryu and uh my other question was just you know where did bison get a semi-truck or why why even approach him with a semi-truck that seems a little and how did even bison get there i guess i read something where he sort of teleported himself somewhere or you know right as he was you know supposed to be hit yeah i don't know but that just seems bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I guess his base got blown up and the the the, the helicopter vehicle or whatever his, his ship was blown up as well. But to ride up in a semi-truck. He must have been lot. like on the side of the road with his thumb out, you know, truck driver stops by. <laughs> <laughs> Bison rips him out, freaking throws yeah. him to the ground like, I'm taking this. He fucking throws him, yeah. That's, that's, that's good. I'm yeah. okay with that. <laughs> Well, now that we've uh, aired our grievances, or at least our questions against the uh, the director, we've we've we finally crash landed into notes on Arata, where we uh, can either apologize or, or just bring anything up before we go. So, do you have a, anything you wanted to uh, bring about? Well, the only thing I wanted to bring up is when we were talking about uh, Anno's films. Uh-huh. And remember, we were I was discussing the the one film that he had direct. Well, not the one, but one of the films he directed. Yeah. And the name of the movie was Love and Pop. Okay. And we were trying to, I was trying to explain to you what it was about, and obviously I failed at that. And the film is about four Japanese high school girls who engage in enjo kosai, or compensated dating. So that's what the movie was about. With sugar daddies. Yeah, it's the practice in Japan where older businessmen pay uh, teenage girls uh, to simply spend time or basically... You know, for sexual favors, sugar daddy. So yeah, yeah. so that's an interesting pick for Ano. Yeah, <laughs> what a <laughs> what a choice. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Ano, I have my own apology for Mr. Hideaki Ano, who I called Hideki for an hour and a half last week, and I'm terribly sorry. And you know, for it ha- shame. Yeah, <laughs> it has. How to- dare you? Yeah, sorry. I I I got blasted on the Evangelion subreddit. Everybody <laughs> could see it out in the open. Uh, but ultimately, you know, any mispronunciation is mostly out of ignorance and it's never out of disrespect. If anything, our greatest sin is lo- uh, laziness, not loneliness. Lon- <laughs> <laughs> loneliness too. Yeah. Uh, and then I just had a, a quick little update on, uh, on our, uh, our, 
I guess our search for a porn star to come on this podcast, and it's uh, oh, we have about, an update. Yeah, this is uh, something that transpired, I guess, last week or whenever the uh, the Pokemon episode came out. We did get a reply from Miss Violet Myers on Twitter, and uh, she gave me the go ahead to send her uh, a DM. Um, and you know, Dad, I got to be honest, I, I didn't really kind of give you the, the full uh, the story when I when I when oh, came you for didn't. It. No, I sent a dick pic right away. <laughs> and then she ghosted you immediately. Yeah, I, I sent the dick pic and I was like, oh, hi, Violet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I don't think I've sent more than, uh, you know, a handful of dick pics. In my whole life. Oh, okay, too much information. Yeah, well, it's been one of those podcasts. <laughs> no, but I, I was very respectful to Violet Myers. I don't think she's going to be appearing on the podcast, but you never know. I'll well, keep my well fingers you crossed. know, we it still might happen. Yeah. Who knows? If any I mean, a, as we get more popular yeah. and well-known amongst the anime. Or at least the pornography. Pornography-loving <laughs> anime crowd. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully one day. Uh, Dad, what are you going to give... The show. What is your wine rating? Um, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it was great. Did you like it? I did. I did. What can I give it? Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it my highest rating. I'm gonna give it five. What is Ken's um, Hadouken? Is that what it is? Yeah, the Hadouken. Yeah. yeah, five out of five Hadoukens. Oh goodness, that was gonna be mine. Um, oh well, you I'll give it. it uh, no, no, no. I'll, I got one. I got one. I got. Um, I have uh, four wet Chun Li titties out of five. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great one. Uh, Man, that is a high rating. Yeah, yeah. Maybe throw a little soap on them too. Yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will be <laughs> we will be back next week. Uh, just like always, we have no idea what we're doing, and we'll hopefully come out with something okay on the other end. But. We'll see you then. Yeah, if you're going to make any uh, requests, let us know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to leave a uh, suggestion for a movie or for us to pimp you out on uh, our beginning of our podcast, leave us a five-star review, and, you know, anything is possible. All right. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, bye-bye. Don't drink or drive.